to describe it, of course, but they said it ripped their clothes and scratched one of them on the shoulder. Mrs. Carpenter showed the mayor pictures of the wounds, but the marks could have been easily explained, since the immense building is dark and dangerous, and there are plenty of ways to get hurt. There are holes in the concrete floors and broken glass and debris everywhere you go. The novitiate is a very large, thirty-room complex, three stories high, and every bit of it could be downright nasty. De Soto, however, listened patiently to Mrs. Carpenter and looked through the fifty names she had managed to get on her petition, but he had reservations about knocking the place down. The monastery sat on the outskirts of town, and there really wasn't any reason to go out there unless you were specifically trying to find it. The former monks had also built a private road leading to the building, which most people in town had all but forgotten. That's not to say the occasional curiosity seeker or horny teenaged couple wouldn't journey out there, but for the most part incidents were few and far between. Mrs. Carpenter exuded an intense demeanor, and her light blue eyes seemed to turn black as she fixed her gaze upon the mayor. She called the novitiate an evil death trap and rambled on about the curse it had. It would be too expensive to bulldoze the place, and it's a historic landmark as well, the mayor thought to himself. Its history goes back to the founding of the town. The monastery is secluded and not a threat at all, DeSoto told Mrs. Carpenter, as long as people leave it alone. Fearing the mayor's reluctant attitude about it, Mrs. Carpenter stood up from her chair and threw both hands on her small hips as she made a desperate final demand. I want that place investigated by people who know how to deal with evil spirits and things of that sort, the woman told DeSoto, while she tried to maintain her composure. Inconsistent formations of red pigment began to appear on her white neck and face. The blemishes spoke volumes to the mayor about how upset the woman had become. She was more than a little adamant that there was something going on out there, and as ridiculous as it sounded, the mayor sat in his chair, stroking his long graying beard, and contemplated what she was saying. A slight smile finally emerged on his aging face as he agreed to look into it. It turned out to be no easy task for Mayor DeSoto to find a group of researchers that would come out to the novitiate for free. The larger, better-known teams wanted thousands of dollars plus travel expenses and lodging. It wasn't as though DeSoto couldn't pay for those types of services, but that he felt it was a big waste of money and time. He couldn't see using taxpayer dollars if he didn't have to. With a lot of determination, he eventually found people located in New York City who were eager to come out for free. They told the mayor over the phone, that it would be a good training opportunity for their new investigator and that the experience would be payment enough. When the day came for the research team to arrive, DeSoto had gone out to the monastery a half hour early to look the place over. At least that's what he told himself. Whether he wanted to admit it or not, the giant place did project a foreboding atmosphere. It was easy to see why so many town folk gossiped about it. The most prominent feature of the building was the main vestibule, lined with stone pillars and an inlaid brick walkway that led to its entrance. The rest of the monastery was more or less plain-looking, and it reminded DeSoto of a college, more than a religious sanctuary. That is, except for the bell tower, where a stone cross adorned its steeple. It was getting late in the afternoon by the time a white minivan appeared on the private dirt road, followed closely by a blue SUV. DeSoto looked at his watch and noticed that they were forty minutes late. He got out of his car and stretched his legs before walking over to greet them. As the four team members exited their vehicles, DeSoto was a little surprised at how young they all were, but he didn't let it show. A blonde, rather muscular guy briskly approached him. Mayor DeSoto, he asked, handing him a business card. 
That's me, the mayor replied with a smile as he looked down at the fancy writing. I'm Gordon Cox, lead investigator from Spirit Research. I talked to you on the phone. Yes, DeSoto replied. Your card says School of Paranormal Investigation, Research, and Interpretive Teaching. I didn't realize you were all students, DeSoto started to say. Just then, the other group members walked over and interrupted the conversation. Gordon awkwardly began introducing the team, and he first pointed to his far left. A young, slightly overweight black man stood there smiling. This is Jerome LeBlanc. He is our technical guy and oversees the video and audio equipment we use. Next to him is Eddie Torres, our resident information specialist and go-to man for any knowledge related to the supernatural or occult. The mayor eyed Torres curiously. He was an unassuming young man with light brown hair and a short, athletic build. Torres shook the mayor's hand and said, with a thick Spanish accent, Pleasure to meet you. Gordon paused a moment.